guess the first first thing we can kind of get into is just tell us, you know, about your journey in stand-up, you know, starting out, the highs, lows, you know, uh, do's and don'ts, key turning points for your journey, for things for us to look out for. I mean, yeah, just kind of open-ended question. Um, so the journey, I guess, I guess, I mean, I guess I'll, like, my first set ever was uh, in the seventh grade. Um, wow. I was, yeah, they were, my, I had a really, like, this weird alternative hipster English teacher in the seventh grade. So once, one Friday of the month, she would just not have a lecture. She would just let us, like, it was almost like a study. She would call it a coffee house, but she, it was, she was make it a study hall where people could just do work, you know, read a book, draw. And if anyone in the, if, if anyone wanted to present something, that's, they could do it. And I decided to present stand up comedy for this uh, coffee house thing. And I was so nervous. Like, it, it was weird. It was like, I never wanted to be a stand up. So I never, it wasn't like a thing like, this is my opportunity. It just kind of came up because, I would used to watch South Park a lot, which would air like 930 during a week on Comedy Central. And then there was always like right after there'd be a Comedy Central Presents. I think one day I was watching some stand up clip and I don't remember who it was, um, but it was someone's half hour. It might have been might have been Dane Cook. I'm not sure, but he had all these jobs dying laughing. And then I remember this coffee house thing was coming. So I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that at the coffee house thing. So I literally just I did the guy's jokes on the thing. <laughs> Uh, uh, for the thing uh, for the coffee house thing I remember like I wrote it all down I wrote it like my whole hand like it looked like I had a sleeve tattoo of <laughs> and I uh I did it and I killed man I, I and dude I was so nervous like I I was I've never been this nervous for any show in my life like I I wrote it all in my hand I was dripping sweat it was all like it looked like mascara from a girl whose, whose boyfriend just broke up with her you know <laughs> And, and I was shivering. I, I used a Dasani bottle as a, as a microphone. And nice. Yeah. I remember like I blanked. I remember I had this whole intro. I blanked um, the first, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably only like five seconds. But I, I remember just standing there and everyone looking at me. I, I, I couldn't think of what to say. And I just started, I just started going with the only thing I could remember that I prepared. And then I took off from there. And I, the only the joke I remember doing was this joke about how I have a big head. And I did have a big head um, in the seventh grade. And it was this joke where, like, I have such a big head that, like, it drags me everywhere I go. So I had this whole <laughs> act that where, like, my head was, like, kind of like this. And I was, like, going back and forth. <laughs> like, you know, this is a whole, a whole act out. And I, if, if anyone knows whose joke that is, just, um, I guess, comment below. But... That was my first set. And I didn't do stand-up for another 10 years after that. I did it again when I was in college. I was a junior at Rutgers University. And again, it was like, I, I didn't, I never wanted to be a stand-up. I was just writing a lot of uh, screenplays, writing a lot of comic books. And I was taking, I, I, I knew I wanted to be in some kind of creative field. So I was taking all these English courses and theater courses and stand-up just kind of came up and I tried it and it was just, it clicked from there. And um, that was, I guess that's the, you know, that was the beginning of my journey. Nice. Very cool. I think, um, yeah, I think everybody has that first experience where, you know, you think you see it and then, you know, for me, it was just kind of like, I think I saw it on a, oh my God. I don't know why the thing's not shut off. But anyway. Okay. Um, Aldi, they're listening. No. <laughs> 
We're gonna get ads uh, no, for, uh, for uh, Dasani water bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, but no, I think everybody's got kind of a similar experience to me. I kind of saw it as like, uh, you know, I had the same chance of being a stand-up comedian as like first chair violinist and like in the Philharmonic. I'm like, people, I can't just do that. And then I think that moment comes, like you said, in college. And, you know, same thing with me. I moved to New York City. Why not give this thing a shot? So I think, you know, that's a pretty cool I think, way how you started out. I think everyone looks at anything like show businessy, acting, uh, even sports, professional sports, as a thing like that's impossible. And I think... For anyone that's kind of asked, aspiring to do that, there's got to be something that clicks for them to kind of be like, wait, this is obtainable. Like, I remember like baseball games until I went to my first baseball game. I thought it was like a TV show. Like they just got a bunch of people on a die. I didn't think it was real. I thought it was all just like, I don't know. I don't know what my dumb mind thought, like virtual reality. And when I went to a game and I saw everything, like I saw the grass, I saw the bleacher, I saw everything. I'm like, wait, you can like, you know, you see some dumbass run into the field and tackle someone. You're like, oh, this is a, re- these are real people. This is a real thing. And those are one of the, I didn't go to a baseball game till really late in my childhood. And that was one of those things that kind of made me um, open my world up a bit. Like, oh, this isn't just TV. This is real, you know? Definitely. And I think there's some of that. I don't know if you, if you fought it too, but I definitely fought that, you know, growing up with an immigrant background, you having a Cuban background, it's that your family gives that whole, no, you got to go do something viable. Something's going to make money. So like, it's, you know, you, you have that initial barrier. Yeah. So I could definitely see if there was some of that too. I grew up with a Chinese mom and it was all study grades. That's, that's all life's about. Get a good job and sports. I wanted to play sports. She's like, that's all useless. Like, uh, you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to be a, a, a muscle guy with no brains. She used to tell me that she used to tell me that, athletes had no brains they were just muscle <laughs> roided out freeze. and um yeah so i just didn't believe it was a real thing you know stand up too i didn't believe it was a real thing until i took a class in college Rutgers. um i took a screenwriting class and my professor for the screenwriting class his name is randy perlstein he was a writer and actor on the Chappelle show and he also wrote Cabin Fever with Eli Roth. And like, I remember like, you know, go take, go, I took his class and he was, I could tell he was an interesting guy. So I Googled him after the class and all these credits came up. I'm like, holy shit. Like he was, and I saw the episode where he was on and I'm like, oh my God, like he's on TV. He's on the Chappelle show. It's a big thing. Legendary thing. He's here. I could touch him. I could flick his nose if I wanted to, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And it just, that made stand up like, I can do it. Like, this is a real, you know, I, I think I'm repeating myself, but those are my, those are the moments that I, that made me. And I think there's always a moment for a lot of um, comics or whatever actors that, that kind of pushes them into it, you know, that realization that this is a thing I can do, you know? Definitely. No, that definitely makes sense. Um, and I guess, so you kind of covered your, your starting point. Um, take us like to that middle piece of, you know, you're at, you're at Rutgers. I don't know that, that two to four year piece of, you know, kind of where I am, I'm in year three, three and a half ish kind of. So, you know, kind of take us through that, some highs, lows, some things you kind of went through and what your, what your process was. So the process was just, uh, and I don't know if I, it's a subconscious process. It's not like a thing I planned out, but all I knew was every day get on stage you know every day get on stage and it was at a more it became more habit and instinctual and i guess just part of my life at a certain point but on stage every day as much as you can as much as you physically can like i was doing like i remember my my sunday schedule for open mics uh 
my like first couple of years in, it was like, I remember there was like a 3 p.m. mic at the stand, the old stand. And then at 4 p.m. I would go to the creek. And then at 5.30 and 6, there was Greenwich Village open mic. And then there was Broadway Comedy Club open mic. Then after I did those two, I think there was Karma at 7.30. And this is all if I can make it like, but this is like what I would try to do. And then 9.30 yeah. on Sunday, there was the pit mic, you know? And then I um, go home and um, kill myself after bombing six times. But <laughs> like, that was it like that. It just wake up, go, wake up, go. And the thing, the beauty of it almost is like, it's only about performing at this point. It's only about getting on stage, writing jokes, getting comfortable, hustling, just go, 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 go. There's nothing, there's no business side to it that matters. There's not, there's none of that, you know? So you're just trying to write jokes, have them work. And then there, there might've been a point, there's always, always a point where you're just kind of like, all right, I'm in the open mic scene, what's next, you know? And then you try to get on shows and you hear bar shows and all this. So you just try to, like at some point, I think you do it enough where you're, you're, you're just like, oh, you're, naturally, okay, what's next? So you start doing shows and I just remember at a certain point, I, I don't know, maybe it was like two, a year or two in, probably a little, like a year and a half in, I was like, okay, well, let me just take like the best material I have, like the best five and just, just, just let's start impressing people, you know, let's start trying to audition for late night or get on, like, get on bar shows and just do my impressive material. And then you do, I remember that I remember just doing shows like actual bar shows or just shows for actual audience and kind of remember it kind of remembering that like, I have to relearn everything because I was performing for open micers. Now I'm performing for actual audience members. And that took me, that takes another year of just doing shows to kind of learn how to perform for a regular crowd. You know, I'm sure you've seen a uh, comics go like, open mic comics or comics that just mostly do open mics and they'll go in front of people and they just terrify everyone, you know, because they're talking about the yeah. abortion up top or, you know, they start yelling at the crowd of like, oh, this is too edgy, you fuckers, you know, like, you're just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are people that have normal jobs and, and cancel people on Twitter. Like you got to remember, like, these aren't comics, dude, you know? Yeah. Can't relate to the comic life. And <laughs> yeah. You, and you just don't know. And the big thing I think is like, open micers are so lacking confidence like because we're so used to bombing so a lot of you know an open mic habit is to kind of say a joke and if it gets nothing you kind of just deflate or you give up or you start you know lashing out it becomes fight or flight and on a real show you have to really learn how to use silence and if something doesn't work you kind of say laugh it off and just keep going you know like don't let the crowd know that you're you just your joke just got completely completely got nothing you know that's my biggest um downfall a lot of time i still would deal with it like if something doesn't work that i think is gonna work I, you, you could just like I, my, i'm all pumped up my shoulders are high i'm telling a joke and then nothing it gets nothing you could just see my body go whoa what <laughs> and the crowd loses respect for me it's you know it's it's but it's all um oh, i have a cat here she's just, just jumping around um <laughs> nice but yeah it's so I just remember that about two years in just doing actual shows and then you know if you're a good comic or if, if you really want this you're always gonna try to get better and once you get better you start feeling a little complacency and then when you feel that complacency at any step 
that's when you got to make yourself uncomfortable. And I've been pretty good with that my whole life. I'm, I'm kind of a, what is it? Not misogynist, masochonist, right? <laughs> Masochist, uh, I, guess, I don't know. That, yeah, is that the wrong? Like, I, like, I feel like it's all, it ends up sexual somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, no, it, <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's like inherently sexual, but it, it's a sexual term now. But like, I like the, I, when I ever get, when I get comfortable, I feel guilty and like, I feel like I need to change things up all the time. So I've been, I've yep, been yep. with that, but a lot, I think most people, this is why a lot of people do nine to five jobs and they don't, they don't move. They don't do anything else. You know, they, I think feel, I feel like comfort and stand up is the one thing. Once you get comfortable, you, you, you gotta get out of that, you know? No, definitely. And, um, you know, so you can, you kind of made a distinction between like kind of Mike comics and then performing in front of an audience, kind of the work smarter, not harder, side of me is kind of asking then how can you then still be at mics and still practice performing for an audience like is there can you can you strike that medium did you find it um you know is there a way to not be that mic you know still be practicing for audiences what you need the mics for practice so how do you kind of tell that line it's hard it, it especially when all you're doing is open mics because those are your shows basically because if you're doing all, only open mics you got to do well open mics to feel sane you know and that's why it's tough for open mic, no mixing, because a lot of times you're not doing well because um, it sucks. Open mics, or you are trying your material and you're not doing well because no one gives a shit about what you're saying up there. It's a very tough spot, and I would say you just you just gotta wait it out. You just keep doing open mics, and eventually your ratio will start changing. Like in the beginning, it's 100% open mics, 0% shows, then it'll get to 90, 10. 80 70 and then once you start getting to a, a good point where you're doing enough shows and my, the ratio is better you will start not only will you you'll just start giving less of a shit about how you do at the open mics because you have show you have this bar of shows like this is a real show this is what people are really laughing this is what's getting me money blah 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 and the mics are just practice so like open mics when it's all you're doing it's this is the game this is game time baby this is game time and then once it kind of goes down and the shows are up, then the shows are game time and then the open mics are practice, you know? So it's just, you know, sticking through it. And once you get to that point where you're more secure in yourself from, cause you've been killing on some shows, you can come to open mics with a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of, of a better mentality and you really view, it's how you view it. This is my practice. Like there, I do open mics and I'm just trying jokes and I, I'll bomb at open mics, dude. And it's embarrassing and it's sad, it's sad but I know it's just like, um, I'm, I'm just, this is my practice time, you know, my, it's yep. for me. And yep. um, I, and, I, and listen, I, I, you gotta check your, you got the door. Sometimes I go to open mics and I could tell people are like, you know, they look, I'm not saying, and this might sound a little cocky, but they're like, what are you doing here? Like, wow, James is here, you know? And I'll go up and bomb. And then I always, in my head, I'm like, oh, they, they're like this, now the thing, I'm like, this guy is getting booked. This, this guy. <laughs> I can't write a joke to save his fucking his life but I just know it's necessary you know it's just necessary um especially now when there's not there's not a lot of shows like what else am I gonna do you know I have to get on stage somehow no no definitely I definitely understand that and um you, you touched on a point where you're like there was a point where I was like all right let's focus on the five or the material that's really doing well um because I feel like at least this is for myself, I get caught into, you know, like, yeah, I've got my show once or, you know, I've got shows once or twice a week. And you're saying like, you know, that ratio eventually starts to change, mm -hmm. but it's like, I find myself just coming up with new stuff to not bore the comics at mics. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you like <laughs> kind of bridge that versus you're trying to hone this, the, the stuff that you want to hone, but then also like, I'm 
getting at least me personally getting self-conscious of shit i'm repeating the same thing like at these mics so absolutely that's that's why you know you got to do every 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 room you know like if i do open mics now i literally do it where it's like like i i actually might do some open mics this week because i haven't i was in um i was gonna say dallas i was in austin last week i think the week before it was like christmas like i haven't done an open mic in the city in like a month you know so i'll go now because i have fresh new material and i'm writing stuff but I do that for a week, man. I am fucking done. I can't do another open mic in the city because now, especially now, it's all the same comics because of the pandemic. Yep. It's done. Like, they're going to hear it. it maybe they, no one really gives a shit what you're saying up there at open mic, but it's just in your head, you know, which is not going to help you on stage. So what I'll do is like, I'll do maybe next week I'll do, um, st- well, actually next week I'm, I'm doing a gig in Jersey. So I'm going to stay at my parents. I'll do some open mics in Jersey. Then the next week, I won't go to those same ones. I'll do New York shit, you know? Then the week after that, um, I'll just look at like maybe like, uh, I mean, dude, I, I was going, I did a couple mics in like South Jersey, which is like two hours away, just cause I needed a different vibe and feel like, you know, I was uh, performing for a different open mic crowd, you know? And um, that's one way you can kind of get rid of the, you know, in your head, uh monot- monotonous uh open mic uh situation <laughs> i completely made that term up um, monotonous open mic situation so yeah it's a it's a new diagnose syndrome put it in the dsm <laughs> yeah and listen uh, it's like, at a certain point it's like this is when you have to you know if you really want it you you, you go to fucking south jersey like that's ridiculous you know but it's like you could do that or you could just stay in feel that way where you see everyone again that you did the jokes last time and you could just you know you really you're kind of wasting a set you know it's not a waste of a set but it's like if you went down there it'd be fresh you know and it, yeah it's time money and like you know i'm lucky because i do this full time and um you know my look i'm very fortunate to be in a position i am where i could just basically just do whatever i want you know which is all comedy and i'm not lazy and i do i work as hard as i can but i know that's a privilege and I know some people have work, kids, um, you know, uh, girlfriends that 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 don't support them or whatever the fuck, you know, weird <laughs> or in rent, you know. So I get that's a lot to ask, but um. no, I, I understand. So I guess if if you were, uh, so you, you talked about just kind of just you're kind of grinding it out in that way. If you were to put it kind of in an equation, it's like you know you kind of talk about you know, kind of 50% of jokes being funny, whatever. I mean, you say a lot of it is just brute force. Like, hey, just get out, get your face out there as much as you can. Just get up as much as you can. Go to these places if you can far away and, you know, get your face out there. And mm-hmm. like, would you yeah. say that's like, would you brute force is just part of this equation that, you know, we can't really deny. You said brute brute force? Yeah, like just by out, just being out there, just putting your face out there. You know, sometimes it's going to be, sometimes not. You know, just some of it's just, you know, maybe it's more showing up than people have an idea of or even than I thought, so. Yeah, it, it's just funny you refer to us telling jokes about our dicks as brute force. <laughs> Getting out there, we're force, you know? It's like we're, we're fucking Thor. Um, but you're, no, you know what? That's one thing, too. Like, I remember, I think Bill Burr had this, too. And I, had, I remember having the same thought as him. There was a certain point where I was just, I was going to every, every open mic I could do, every show. And then I remember one guy's like, you're fucking everywhere, dude. Like, you're everywhere. Like you are, you are here, you, you know, you, you work so hard. Like that's what you want. You want people to be like, you're everywhere. You're, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. You want, you know, I think 
yeah. So, and just, just showing up places and doing well, you know, you're showing up places and doing well and um, word gets around, you know, people remember people like, I'm sure like you've seen an open uh, someone on stage that was really good and you don't know the name, you don't know anything, but the next time you see them, you do have that kind of like, I remember this guy was, was kind of funny, you know, you don't remember what they said, but you want that reputation. You don't want the reputation of you eating dick. And then you see the person again and you're like, oh, I've distanced myself from this person. No, I understand. That makes sense. Um, so kind of going off of that, you know, we're talking about kind of writing stuff, going, going different places to try the same stuff. Um, that being said, even currently at this point, how long does a joke stay in your set? I guess it depends on the length of your set, but roughly the average time you keep a joke around. Man, that is a, that's a really good question. And um, just to let people know, I've been doing comedy six years, so that's not a long time. It's, it's like a, respectable is not even the right word it's a cute amount of it's cute you know it's cute like it's basically like a six out of ten it's cute it's cute she's cute you know <laughs> so i'm still learning things all the time dude and with this stuff about like so that stuff is like i usually keep jokes in there um i, I take jokes out when i don't like telling them anymore right now like i have a bunch of jokes like i was going back to sets i was doing a couple of years ago and i had a, I had a completely different set you know i'm talking about quitting cigarettes i'm talking about i was an english and theater major in college i love <laughs> those jokes man but i don't can't i can't tell them anymore because i don't i'm just not that person i don't give a shit you know um so for me that that when i stop telling a joke is um when I kind of don't want to tell them anymore. Cause then if I do it on stage, you could, you're just going to tell them not into it. Plus I have so much other shit I want to talk about now. I got a girlfriend now I've been dating her for like two years. Like it's a lot of my life, you know, you know? Um, but the jokes that are still, I still have been doing, like I do a lot of stuff about being mixed race and my parents um, and dating. Like I have jokes about Tinder and shit. It's like, I still do this cause I like doing them. And I would say like, so this is such a good question. Cause I was, dealing with this myself yesterday oh, oh two days ago i was in austin no was it yesterday no it was two days ago i saw this guy uh brett ernst i don't know if you've heard of him yep definitely he went on at his open mic right so i i did this show and i and then the guy who was running the who's running the show who was driving me around was like let's hit an open mic after i'm like fuck yeah let's, let's get our double sets in. let's double dip Get there. Brett Ernst is in town. He's like headlining some some comedy club the weekend. And this is Thursday. So he's like, oh, you yep. can't go with Mike just to work on a set. The, 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 the mic is terrible. The comics are horrific. They're, you know, one guy, <laughs> one guy's like bragging about not using condoms. It's just like horrific. Um, Brett goes on and it's a horrible. So he does, he does great for the situation, but he, you could, he, he talked for five minutes. He talked about waiting tables for five minutes different angles. It's just one topic. Right. I remember watching him. I'm like, like he's, he talked about the same thing for five minutes. That's in, incredible. And I noticed a lot of really established comics like Bill Burr, you look on his, uh, album tracks. It's like dog 11 minutes dog track. It's just dog jokes yep. for 11 minutes. Right. Um, yep. I just watched this, um, me and my girlfriend, uh, we watched Joe Rogan's last special and he had this whole cats bit like a seven minute bit we and I, what we watched yesterday it's on youtube the seven minute clip the all the cat jokes it just mil they just milk everything out of one bit and i feel like my 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 jokes i have a lot of good jokes but i'm so like i just brush on topics and i switch to the next one and like i'll talk about chinese support there should be 
an hour on being Chinese and Puerto Rican. And I, my, sometimes in my act, I talk about it for two minutes, you know? And I, I think I have a lot of jokes on them, but there are a lot of like set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. I don't really get into it. I don't really get down to the bone. So right now I'm actually trying to go back to that stuff and really uncover everything, you know? So it's like, I'm on stage ranting about it as, as opposed to like telling these like one-liner jokes that, yeah, I was able to add segues and put together, but it really feels more like I'm just telling jokes, not just kind of, you know, bleeding my heart out on stage. So for me, it's like, I haven't mastered any, I don't think my, like, like I have a, okay, like I know how to command the room. I know how to, I have enough material that, that like works. Like I headlined the other day and it went fine, but I'm not killing dude. Like I'm doing good. But I'm not killing, you know, and it bothers me. And it's because I still have this, like my material is not there. You know, it's not fully developed. It's not. And I think I, you know, I get to these uh, moments where I'm like, in my, like I convinced myself this is done but I haven't really turned every stone over, you know? And I think that's because I'm six years in, I'm not like just uh, at that point, I'm still learning, you know? But I would say with the material, you really wanna, and this is also advice for me, I'm basically talking to myself and, and you know, it's oh, you really okay. <laughs> look at it like uh, like every joke is like a, a, a pork chop, you know, they got that little bone in it and yeah. every bit is just, gnawing at the meat and you want to get all the way down to where it's just that little bone left you know you you throw it to your dog and your dog licks you know gets gets all happy and shit like that is what you want to try and once you get to that point that's when I, the joke's done there's no meat left on it you know but that could that could be you know six years that could be 20 years you know that could be some you know some jokes are a little quicker than that so um speaking from what the fuck i gotta for a gift from zoom running out of time we removed a 40 minute time limit okay thanks for interrupting my goddamn soliloquy <laughs> jesus all right yeah i got the same thing yeah <laughs> all right we had a, we had a crew. it was gonna cut us off but i think we're good yeah yeah that uh, wouldn't that be a bitch but yeah so that's my advice about that and that's something i need to remember myself you know about the joke it's not done until it's down to that bone you know and you feed definitely. it to your definitely that makes sense and i kind of just jumping off of that um i guess what's your what's your writing process i guess you know in writing new things and you know where you draw it from how often you're writing what you know what process in that is so i write every day for i work on my act for i try to work on my act at least an hour a day and i have all this other writing i do that's not related to my act which is annoying but it's like I, i'm trying to you know my part of my job is to have a social media presence and you know it's not enough to just do jokes and make clips um i so i come i'm trying to come up with tweets all day i'm looking at the news trying to you know create TikTok videos all day and then you know um then writing you know like uh like my girlfriend and i have this um this little series we do where i tell her jokes and then she she, she just makes fun of me the whole time <laughs> yep yep yeah yeah so I do a, I mean, I think all day I'm writing, but for my act, it's just an hour where I'm like, all right, I sit down and, you know, try to piece everything together. And, and so my process is like, I do literally sit down, grab all my notes. Do I have my notes? I don't know where my notes are, but I have, I, I have literally 150 
just papers that are in like like origamied up. <laughs> I have a a, a a small notebook. I have a regular book, and then I have a, a Microsoft document in my laptop that's literally a thousand pages that I just keep enter. I don't. There's no chapters. There's no bookmarks. It's just I just when I feel it just depends. Sometimes I feel like writing freehand. Sometimes I feel like typing on the computer, and I just. Um, I do, I've done this, th I started this recently where I'm color coding things. So, um, anything that's not part of the joke, like segues or just bringing up a topic, I highlight in blue and I try to keep that as small as possible. Cause I'm trying to cut out words. And then, so jokes that work, like if I'm building a set list, I'll highlight in green, then as in go, then the jokes that are almost there. Like it's, there's something there. I hide it in in red, as in or yell like red, as in like all right, let's slow down. And then the jokes that are completely new, I do uh, I highlight in yellow. Actually, I don't know why I made it this way. It's actually the opposite. So yellow is new and red is almost there. It should be the other way, but I I've, I've already kind of made this um, uh, uh, process in my head. So. When I write set lists like that, that's how I write. And then I do that. So like, if I ever look at it when I'm on stage, I know I can just like, if I like, all right, I gotta get, I gotta go to something that works. I just look at um, green as in go. Then if I want to try something, all right, maybe we can fuck around, try red. And then if I really, really feel, feel like dicking around, I do yellow, you know, I never do yellow when I'm bombing. That's, that's why it's, in, <laughs> yeah. That's why it's in yellow and red, the new stuff, but do the writing process, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, a lot of people are very nice. They're like, you know, you got good jokes. You're a great writer. But, dude, um, I, I think with the really, I think it's just writing, you know, and effort. I think it kind of comes across. I don't think I'm, like, I, mean, I struggle uh, all the time to think of good jokes. Um, a lot, like, I, I, I talk, a lot of times I write things, I tweet things. And, I mean, my girlfriend just went through all my tweets this morning and was like, you, you, you got to take all this down. Like, what the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> so I don't know, like I'm trying, man, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's tough. I just try, what I try to do is be authentic and honest. So I guess maybe my process now is to write a really good joke in, and then try to rewrite it in a way that I would say it to my friends in person. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do now, but it's tough because, um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that's a way, to, I guess in a way trying to find my own voice, but in terms of like where I get my stuff from, it's a lot of like whatever happens in my life and whatever, you know, frustrates me, um, whatever, just anything that emit, it, it, uh, creates emotions like anger, um, jealousy, happiness, sadness, um, or stuff I just really want to talk about so bad you know like yep. you need to get this off and yeah and then i also like i said i focus on a lot of topical stuff because you want to go on, the the best thing you could do to go on go on stage is to seem like you're in the moment so we do like a capital shooting everyone just what like they listen you know and you want to have a couple of those because you want to seem like you know what's going on you know you don't want to just do your act um and uh I mean, you could do your act. It could be great too, but it's like, I think you help, you're helping yourself if you kind of seem like you're more present and authentic. 
Yep. Yep. No, that makes sense. And uh, you kind of started to touch on this and my next question kind of leads into what's your social media strategy. And this is kind of one of my um, goals for 2021 is to really get that up because I'm an old soul in that way. I'm like, don't put everything on Instagram and all this stuff, but no, I guess we kind of have to. And um, yeah, it's part of this process. So, I mean, what's kind of your view on, on social media and kind of that's for, for me, it's been like, no, there's this always this divide between I have, I'm fine doing live shows because people pay to be here and they want to see it. But then I had this weird barrier to push through on social media. People don't know it's coming. You're just putting it out there. And now I'm just getting into that. Hey, people want to hear what we have to say and we have something valuable. So kind of what's your social yeah. media strategy? You, social media is pretty right now. It's pretty imperative um, to be taken seriously as a comic. It's like back in the day, it's like, you don't have a website. Who are you even a comic now? It's like, you don't have 10 K followers. Are you even a, a real comic? You know? Um, so you need, you need the presence there, you know, especially if you're going to get booked, it will help a lot, man. Cause I do a lot of my reaching out on Instagram. And when people look at my, I don't have 10 K I'm like 85, I think, or something or 8,300 yep. people see, they go, who is this guy? You know, it helps. And then, but that being said, you know, you don't want to buy your followers because the, the most people do they'll look at your followers and then look at your last post to see how many likes you have. So if you have 10 K followers and six likes in your last post, people know you're full of shit, you know? So you want <laughs> yeah. organic followers. Now how you get organic followers. Um, it's, you know, you got, you got to have a page that people want to follow you. You know, why, you know, how do you do that? It's, if you're a comedian, you just got to post funny shit. Um, if you're, I don't know if you're, well, you know, a lot, of, what a lot of, um, sex workers, they post pictures of themselves in hot outfits, you know, guys are going to follow them, you know? Yeah. Um, you got to give people something that they want. So with that being said, um, for me, what I, what I'm doing now is like, oh man, it's so, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out myself, dude. I mean, I struggle with this every day, but what I try to do is I try to post on Instagram. Are we just talking Instagram specifically? Um, I'm just on Instagram. I actually don't, I don't have it personally. I don't have a Twitter or a TikTok yet, but okay. yeah, this is part of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's just like, I think right now a, you, you, your feed for my, for me, my feed is like um, reserved for high quality photos, tweets and videos like, like standup clips, you know? Yep. And I make sure you got it. Like quality is so important with the Instagram feed. It's not quantity, right? Twitter, you tweet shit all the time. And, and, uh, uh, for me, I tweet shit all the time and you can kind of, you, you kind of get away with a little bit of just things kind of being not that great. You know, even though my girlfriend does like my girlfriend yells at me all the time when I tweet something average, but <laughs> on Inst the Instagram feed is very important. Like it's gotta be all, you should have a threshold for like how many likes or something, something should get on your, on your Twitter, on your Instagram feed. Right. And you just make your account fucking good and um to get followers what i've been doing recently is like i've been working on uh, and so tiktok will help you get followers on instagram by the way um because it, it, it uh it links up your there's a button for your instagram on tiktok and tiktok people who are on tiktok they're very engaged like they'll follow you like and they'll follow you on instagram if they like your stuff and they'll comment they'll like it's it's pretty um wild like the numbers like I have 10K followers on TikTok and that's like not impressive at all. I feel like, you know? Um, so I've been getting a lot of my followers recently, like during the pandemic through 
Instagram videos and TikTok. And just kind of like um, for a while, I was doing this for a while where I was following people that were in, like, like from comedy club pages, you know, and then hoping they'd follow me back. But that's kind of gotten to the point where it's a lot of time. And I don't feel like a lot of these followers are actually like people who are following me back is great, but they're not like fan fans, you know, they're kind of just like, yeah. I don't know. It didn't feel right that great to begin with, but it got me a good number. And then now I'm just focusing on getting followers off the videos. And I mean, there's, there's other ways to like, um, I use Facebook groups. I, I'm, I'm, I do, uh, I post a lot of like stuff in halfy groups, like Chinese Puerto Rican or uh, a mixed race groups. I'll post videos in there and they'll follow me on Instagram. I post shit on, um, uh, you know, I, I'll like, I'll like uh, do articles. Like I just did this, uh, um, I reached out to this uh, mixed race faces account on Instagram and I did an article with them. So I don't know if I got any followers from that, but it's just like putting yourself, just putting yourself out there and then, you know, follow me this, follow me that and just making content that's going to make people laugh and then they'll follow you. But the most important thing is like, it's gotta be quality content. I think that's the problem with a lot of people. They're like, I don't want to put my shit out there. Cause you know, I don't want to give my stuff away. I think a lot, when people say that it, there's some validity to it. Like you don't want to give out your best joke, but I think a lot of those people just don't think they're funny, you know? So they'll, they don't want to, and it can hurt them. You can put something as horse. I see it all the time where people, comics put stuff up. It's on a table and all the way in the back of a, a crowd of 17 people. You know, there's a, there's a drink in front of the camera and every time like it's just shaking the whole time and the guy <laughs> the joke, you can barely see his face. And like three of the 17 people laugh, like, and you're just like, Oh dude, you know? Yeah. It looks like lost footage. <laughs> what was that? It looks like lost footage. Like I just like found footage, whatever it's called. It's just, exactly. it's yeah. Yeah. It, it, looks like, it looks like when you're about to die and your eyes are closing <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> you know, and it just goes to bolt. But you got, so you got to put stuff, you have to be killing, killing and killing is a term that I did not understand until I would, you know, when I would go to a club of like 400, like seated 400 people and I would see a headliner murder. Like you have to be killing, like the laughter has to be so ridiculous. Like it, it, it has to be fucking, you have to be, look so great. Cause people do look at this dude. I got booked on a show that the show I, I did in um, Georgetown a couple of days ago. The booker told me he didn't watch my video I sent him. He watched, he just went on my YouTube. I mean, my uh, Instagram feed and just watched the clips there, you know? So, yeah, you got, just don't post shit, especially on Instagram and YouTube. Don't just post shit videos of you just because you think you got to get content out there. You got to make sure it's good shit, man, because you won't, you'll get followers from good stuff and it'll make you look good. But if you do the opposite, if you're just like, oh, I got to do it because everyone else is doing it um you just you just can't do that the best thing to do and i'm lucky i have a i have a my girlfriend's very honest um just show someone that you trust that's going to give you honest feedback you know no i understand that makes sense for me that's 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 my girlfriend too so no i i understand that's always the the first filter it's not easy man i'll, I'll show her something that i worked on for hours and she'll be like this is garbage and i i try to defend my case because i created it, i put time into it and nine times out of ten um um, they're right. Like, cause, cause yeah. they're not, they're not coming from a, from, from, from a, such a personal, um, place. They're coming from an, a completely unobjective, you know, uh, audience point of view, you know, yep. I'll say my girlfriend is batting a probably close to a thousand where it's like, 
she'll say no or she'll tell me to make adjustments and I'll make them. And a lot of times they become my hot, my highest viewed uh, videos, you know? She That's helped awesome. me. I just recently put this TikTok on that, that got me like 5,000 followers on TikTok. And I showed it to her. I made it. I showed it to her and she gave me some, she said it was okay. We got, we're, we're somewhere. And then she gave me a couple um, notes. Like one of them was I was filming these things and not looking into the camera. I was looking at my dumb fucking nose, you know? And she, so I reshot it looking in the camera and I edited it in iMovie and just sort of made it, so it uh, like I put the audio overlapped with the, some of the cuts. It flowed way better. It went viral, 5,000. So you, you wow. want to have someone that's from outside perspective uh, helping you out there. No, definitely. That, that makes sense. And yeah, for me, it's, it's that same person. So, and I understand what you mean when you argue it, you know, we argue kind of like the comics point of view, but the structure, but like I care and, but the structure, you know, like, but no, it's like, they have, you're right. They have that audience point of view. So, you know, trust it. And, you know, hopefully everybody's got at least some person like that in their lives. And yeah. If now listen, if you're trying to, if there's a TikTok for comics, that's a different story. But if it's a TikTok for regular uh, people, audience, like your girlfriend, well, you might want to listen to her and I'll give here's one tip I'll give about TikTok videos, Instagram reels or whatever. Um, now, if you post on a, a stand up clip on Instagram and it's like less, it's like less than a minute. It's fine. If, as long as it's a good stand, that's fine. But TikToks, anything you want to put on TikTok, like 15 seconds or less, dude, just write that like like that, dude. If, if you're editing something and it's over even 10 seconds, try to get it down to like 10 seconds too. Cause that like, I, I posted something that was like 20 seconds. I thought it was fine. Then my girlfriend watched it. She said, it sucked, take it down. And then I looked back at it. And then I looked at other people's that were like doing well. And the thing I noticed was like, mine's was 20 seconds and everyone else's was 10, you know? So TikTok is 10 to 15, if you need that 15. But usually once you get to that first punchline, like, you know, we all have these like tags that we're so married to. Yeah. TikToks, you just they get like get the joke out. One of my models for stand-up is leave them wanting more. So once you sometimes when you when you get the light, get that big laugh, just fucking get off. You know, that abruptness is gonna make you know you you're almost leaving them uh with blue balls, you know, if you That's do it, it that way. And it's better than trying to salvage yourself or trying to get more, you know. Sometimes you just wanna leave them just leave them wanting more. That's, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, no, that makes sense, man. Um, kind of moving on to uh, kind of a transition that you made kind of halfway through in when was there a moment? Was there a, was it a gradual transition? When did you kind of start going from, all right, I have like this, I'm kind of established in New York city or I'm doing, you know, these kind of things. What was your kind of step or what was the moment where you like, what was your process to get out of New York city and to get yourself on the radar at some of these clubs in the tri-state area where, you know, where you've been. So. Okay. Um, so I, I guess it's so, it's so weird to call myself an established comic. I'm, I'm still like, I'm, 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 you know, I'm working, I'm working, but whew, like, you know, when you want to say established New York city comic, I mean, you know, you know, the, we all know who the crop of the cream is there, you yeah. know, like, um, so the clubs on the road and the clubs in New York city, two completely different, uh, ways to go about it. Completely different ways to go about it. You know? Yep working the 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 comedy dream this is just a made-up name but working the comedy dream the comedy dream in like bumblefuck pennsylvania is not you don't approach that 
the same way you would approach like Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, you know, yep. not the same shit. So these clubs on the road, like in middle of Pennsylvania, Jersey or whatever, just kind of like not, not in a major city. Usually their head, uh, host headline, uh, host feature headlines, as opposed to New York, that are showcases, which is uh, like five, six comics doing 15 minutes each. Um, with the stuff on the road, especially if you're a new comic, like I said earlier, just like at a certain point, you're going to want to like get together your best material. And then you're going to want to do that to impress people, to, 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 to get you booked and more stuff or to give people to give you more stage time. So when you host on the road, you're just doing like seven to 10 minutes up top. You know, you're just a sacrificial lamb. You're just, it's the yep. big spot. You go up there. And so the feature and the headliner can kind of have, you know, like some cushion. So they're not going up cold, you know? Yep. So what I did for a while to get in these clubs as, as the entry level position, the host position, was I would put together my five to seven minutes or whatever. I'd call a club, email a club, or sometimes I, uh, I would just uh, have someone recommend me for a, Maybe not in the beginning, recommendations not in the beginning, but I would call, email, whatever. Um, and I would just audition. Like I would do a guest spot, you know. Guest spot is kind of a key term for audition, especially if you're not already working that club. Yep. So you just go in there, you do the best you can, and then um if the owner or the booker is watching and you do well, they'll be like, All right, you know, send your avails, we'll get you in as a host. Like the owners of the club can tell like what level you're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've auditioned for places where, um, for me, it's like, I'll, 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 I would like the headline, but I'll audition. I'll do well. And they'll be like, well, you know, let's get you to feature first, you know? And it's not disrespect. It's just kind of like, I saw enough there, but I don't know if I can headline you, you know, but I'm sure if they saw someone that was like, you, you could, you, you could just tell not just from the joke or the laughter, but like the stage presence of a okay. guy online, you know? Or feature or host so just get that five seven minutes start trying to uh do guest spots at clubs do well and then start working as a host and once you do that you start meeting other comics the features headliner if they like you they'll recommend you to other places or you'll just be you'll be in that green room and have those conversations like oh did you work the dickity dicks in in fuckity fucks pennsylvania or <laughs> yeah. you know, did you hear about that that club over there and then as long as you do well, like, wherever you go, you got to do well. Where every set that's not an open mic or for yourself is a fucking audition, you know? Yeah. Like, I got, um, what am I doing tonight? I'm doing a show on the, well, I'm doing a show on the train, on the, the, the subway station, I think. Yeah. The one train. Like, I don't know what, like, that's just like, whatever. But <laughs> I'm at Joey Bats later. And yeah, but we're on that one. I'm on that one too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that's a me set. Like, that's a set I'm going to yeah. go. And because the person who booked me is like, he knows me very well. We used to do uh, New York Comedy Club late night together. Yep. So it's a me set. I'm going to do well, but I'm also going to really work on some stuff. Um, but whenever you're at, at, at a place you're not comfortable with, it's always an audition. Dude. You never know who's in the crowd and you never know who's watching. So you just want, like I said, you want to meet, you want to come around and people go, I, I don't remember. I remember his face, but I remember he did well. You know, you don't want to be like that. Oh, I remember his face. He was fucking horrific on stage you know so yeah. um in terms of like getting work just get that set together that's undeniable and listen like if you're two years in the comedy nothing you do is undeniable but just good enough where you can host or they can trust yeah. you to host and 
you'll see like once you start hosting your spots in the beginning will be they, they they will they will just barely trust you so they'll give you seven minutes and then like there's one club in pennsylvania i've had in mind because they i started a host there and i've worked my way up it was five to seven minutes up top then one day i was working there a couple of years it was like all right do 15 as a host and then after that i started a feature you know so you'll, you'll, you'll know when they trust you more and then you'll build rapport and then they'll recommend you for things. And it's just kind of, um, That's it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'd say like a three, I mean, it kind of depends on the person too, but like, I guess, you know, that three to four year mark is not too early to start that process or to start, you know, kind of reaching out and try to get on people's radar that that's still in a, you don't have to wait till you're 10 years in to start applying to these, you know, kind of looking at these clubs outside of the city. Right. No. Well, here's a, so, I mean, if you're 10 years in, you, you I mean, <laughs> you're not, you, so no three four years is not too late or too early to be reaching out for work but you got to know what what you're capable of so i said i'm talking about specifically is trying to get hosting work which is yep. the entry-level spot at a entry-level position to perform on a comedy club you yep. know you just get like make sure you have like 10 good minutes have five minutes seven minutes are undeniable just do that set impress people and get yourself just work then once you get that 10 minutes you just get better and better 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 um but the clubs in the city um i would say i i mean i mean i'm in a good amount of clubs i'm but i'm not at the the, the clubs that really matter like i'm not i'm not the seller i'm not the stand i'm not god i mean i do yeah. gotham but it's like i have like a back like i i i used to uh someone someone that works there that teaches a comedy class there um, has me host their comedy classes sometimes i'm not like on sh the actual shows there but I, I do host there sometimes but it's for comedy classes but it's still great but um those clubs i i, I it, it's just like something it's like there's so much competition there, there there's no it's it's like you just gotta do you kill and then i think at some point it's gonna happen you know at some point someone who's usually it's by recommendation someone in that club will tell the booker take a look at this guy and then you'll get into the rotation there's no like oh can i reach out to them do i i would say the last thing you do for new york city clubs is send them emails okay can i can i go that's the last because they won't even look at it there's no point I they said. have fucking a million comics they could fill their lineup every day no problem with amazing new york city comics and they don't even know you yeah. so the clubs on the road are a different story they actually they're actually not starved for talent but you know they need good comics and they need to rotate. they can't have the same guy all the time so there is a little bit of yeah. a, a necessity to, to to read emails and find features find openers find headliners but in the city there's they're not there's no there's so many comics so with that being said like i the last couple of clubs i got i got passed at a couple of clubs recently in the city and nice. it wasn't from yeah it wasn't from i reached out to them it was from me it just fall it just kind of happens like i was working with someone um who i already knew for a while did a gig and then i just got an, an i swear to god i just got a message from the booker hey can you send your avails this person uh recommended you I'm like, what? That's you know? awesome. <laughs> right. But that's, you know, that's, and I, I know, I know how a couple of my um, friends, a comedy friends got into the cellar and stuff. And it's just like, it's not like, 
yeah, you know, like uh, I reached out or like it all just happened. It, it's like, it's, it's literally just like they're doing Monday. They're just chilling and Tuesday. Um, it's just, it, they have an audition. Like it's, um, and that's something yeah. I don't know anything about, but for the city clubs, you just do your, do your sets, just try to kill, be cool with everyone. And as long as you're funny, um, word's going to get around and I think it'll just happen. But I, I, I just don't think it's a good idea to reach out to clubs or just show up there. You know, a lot of people just show up. At, there's some clubs you kind of can do that. Like you can show up and then if someone doesn't show up, you go on. But in terms of like getting a rotation, it's it's just a completely uh, different animal. And like you, I, I don't think you have any leeway in New York City clubs. If you bomb in a New York City club, it's uh, you'll never get booked again. So you, you just also that's one thing you got to be prepared for, you know. Gotcha. Um, no, that makes sense, man. And um, I guess this kind of leads me to this question where, I, I, you know, you mentioned you're six years in, you know, I'm three years in. I'm like, shit, that's three years away. That's really close. You know, um, I honestly thought you were in longer. So I think it's really cool that you're doing what you're doing at six years. Like, that's really cool. Mm. Um, how did you know it was time to go full time? And like, how do you honestly, like as much as you can answer this or not, how do you prepare for that financially? How do you know when the right time is? And, and how was that decision like for you? Um, so for me, I started doing comedy when I was, uh, a junior. And then when I graduated, I'd been doing comedy two years and I worked full time for about six months. And I was just working at a, at Barnes Noble. Like I wasn't like, it wasn't a, like an actual job, you know, but yeah. I just quit. Cause I just, quit. I remember just thinking like I had money in my savings account. I had no bills. I was still with my parents. So, and I was starting to do some hosting stuff and it just got to the point where like, I can't, I literally only want to do comedy. I can't sit here at a register or my cat's licking her, her balls or <laughs> female cat, but just licking her, her, her taint right now. Um, <laughs> you literally got the, the leg up. You want to, maybe you can, can you see? Nice. <laughs> Through the bricks. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> oh boy. Um, what was I saying? Um, oh yeah. So, uh, I, I, so I, I didn't have any, so I just did con like I, so basically what I, I quit the job cause like, I just couldn't focus. I, I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to do stand up, and I was like, I'm just going to focus everything on stand up. You know, like I have money saved up. I'm living with my parents. Um, let's, let's just, I literally had like five figures close to five figures. I had close to five figures in my savings. I wasn't spending money. I, I, I dressed like shit, you know, like <laughs> it was all stand up, nothing. I didn't go out anymore. I was just totally in the zone. So I just went like, it's just such a blur those years. Cause it was just head down poof, for like whatever, you know, two, three years, like literally not hanging out with my, not seeing my friends, um, casually dating, but not really giving a shit about woman. Um, yep. just like nothing mattered, nothing else mattered. And it was a point where like, I was starting to like go on the road. Like I was featuring on the road. Like I was middling on the road and I was doing a couple spots in the city that were paid. Nothing, nothing like great, but it got to the point where I was like, I was making, and then I, I get some commercial. I was doing um, background work for extra money. I did a couple like, and then the background work stopped. Now I was starting to do like actual commercials. Like, yep. Yep. And 
um did i get in the sag when i was still living at home i don't remember but it just got to the point where like i felt like okay i think i can like pay rent like i think i could i can think i can go off with this like it's literally just the bare minimum like so i yeah. got i think i can get it by this is the amount i can spend a month or this is the amount i'm making this is the amount i can sacrifice for rent because i wanted to move out i was i was like 25 or something it was again the point where i'm like oh, i'm getting too old to be living at home so <laughs> i got a I, it was all in like a two-week span where i'm like i i gotta get out of here i just got a shitty place in the city man like I got a, a place with no bathroom. I got a place with no kitchen, just a room. I had to like, to get to the bathroom, I had to like walk across the hall into someone else's apartment and use their bathroom. My room was literally like, if you if I laid out on my back, that was the size of my room, you know? Damn. So I was just living like a fucking raccoon, you know, <laughs> for a year. Well, two years. So I used, I lived in just the shitty in East Harlem. I just lived in shit. I, East Harlem was like, it was the closest and cheapest I could get to like being in Manhattan where I could do my spots. You know, I was yeah. like once, like I was on uh, the one sixteenth stop off the green line, you know, on the six train. So it wasn't that bad to get places, but I did that. It, it's just like, that's all I could, like, I, I was a full-time comic. But I was living yep. in dog shit, a dog shit situation, you know? And then, um, so I lived there for a year. Then I, I moved down the street because the guy I was living with, I was basically like beholden to this guy who was basically giving, renting me this apartment under the table for cheap. Yep. So I moved, he moved down the street with his family. So I moved with them and I lived there for another year. Then I met my girlfriend. And obviously when you combine, you know, together, like, um, I was I, right now I'm paying, I'm living in an apartment in the Upper West Side, but I'm paying the same that I was paying to live by myself. But you know, I just gotta, I gotcha. you know, but um, no, I mean, if we broke up or something, if I had to live back, I would probably have to go back to, to horse shit, you know, it'd be tough. But so talking about doing comedy full time, it's, it's, it sounds great, but really in um, not retrospect, that's not the word. It's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of seeing what you can afford and what you can tolerate to live in. Because you could be a living, you could be working comic for sure. If, if you're, you know, living in a cardboard box, you know, or you could be a working <laughs> comic if you live at home, you don't have to pay. Of course, anyone could be a fucking working comic. You just pay, you know, your bills like and stuff. But yeah, um, you know, even that it's like, I'm a working comic in the sense, like literally in the sense, like I don't have another job, but it's not, it's it's like financially it's like i'm being honest it's like it's not i can't just if i go on vacation i don't go on vacation it's because i have a gig and like i'm doing i have to do i have to work on vacation i, I can't just go on the road i mean i go on the road it's like a vacation because i'm like i'm going to tan i'm going to uh florida nice in a couple of weeks for two weeks i'm doing but i have to do shows like every night like i literally am doing shows during the week that pay what i would be paying um to live out there you know and then the weekend shows are, are are you know are pretty good but that's being a working comedy it's not comfortable living right now i see yeah but it's it's cool because i you know i don't know the hope is like i don't know i don't want to i'm just being honest it's it's like people say you're working comedy it's so great and it is but i think a lot of people um which is totally understandable 
it's like a lot of people aren't willing to live in a place with no goddamn bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. Aren't willing to uh, have not have a kitchen, you know? Yeah. Um, and I get it, man. I mean, uh, it sucks, but I just, all like, especially at that point in my life, I just wanted to do, all I cared about was stand-up. It's all I cared about, you know? That's got to be it. That's the sacrifice, I guess, you have to make, you know? I see. No, that makes sense. And kind of, it kind of leads into my next thing where it's, um, I guess the agent was the next step. I think you mentioned that you've had an agent before. I mean, what, how does that happen? Do you find them? Do they find you? Do you go on like Bumble agent? Like, is that like, I don't know yeah, what Bumble. that process is like, when do you know when you're ready? How does that work? Yeah. Bumble has a BFF mode and a, and a <laughs> showbiz, showbiz. <laughs> um, so there's two ways you can get representation. One is you can reach out to people and two is uh, they can find you. I mean, that's yep. like, <laughs> it's like saying uh, half full, half empty, but um, I got my manager cause uh, I was working at a club and the manager of this club. So a lot of clubs in the, some of the clubs on the road um, are booked through agencies. So our management or just management company, entertainment companies. So, this guy who was the manager of this club recommended me to the guy who usually the, the agency, the management company that books this room, you know? Yeah. So he's like, Hey, like, I think you're great. Send this, send your stuff to um, this company. Um, I know the guy Just say, you know me. And then, so that's, that's how that happened. Um, and then I also, I got a, my first commercial agent. I got through just Google, like dude, Google is the best fucking thing ever. It's just, you can literally whatever you want, like whatever you need, you know. Okay. How many people waste their fucking uh, Google searches on, well, who was the, 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 the Jew in that movie, you know? And then like, <laughs> they go on, I, like, you can do that with other shit too. You could do that with New York City commercial agents or uh, who books this club, you know? Yeah. Google and just do your digging, man. Do your digging. Um, so I, I remember New York City uh, commercial agent. There's about whatever came up, click on the website, contact or submission form, send them my yep. shit. And then one got back to me, had a meeting, went in there and uh, that's it. Um, and then I've had, um, and since then that agent, that, that, that agency, uh, I don't work with that agency anymore, but another agency came up where, um, so, Another, this is, it sounds so confusing, but someone else that saw me at a show, just that this is why you got to do well in every show. Cause this is all yep. come back to doing well and being funny when the, when everything's an audition, you always gotta be, everything's out, you never know who's watching. So you just gotta be funny all the time. Do your best, you know, sometimes it's for you, but you know, try to find the middle ground. Um, yep. I was doing a show in Staten Island, lady in the crowd who had a, a management company saw me she um, gives me her card, you know, it gives me, uh, yeah, her information. I don't hear back from her for two, three years, right? A couple of years later, she just reached out to me randomly with like voiceover auditions, commercial auditions. And I ended up booking a commercial that during the pandemic, since they couldn't shoot anything, paid like almost like eight and maybe 10 times, like just kept wow. getting paid that same commercial like over and over again. And that's all from just doing a show. And then she 
worked with another agency. She's a management company. So she, she recommended me to an agency who's also now sending me voiceovers. So it just comes down to just, um, especially if you're a stand-up, just, just being funny, you know, all the time, being good. And you can also help yourself. Sometimes it's luck, but you can also help yourself by Googling and then sending your best clip you know, not remember, not not your uh, about to go into the light clip, shaky <laughs> clip, but your yep. amazing clip. Spend money on headshots. Get drop five hundred dollars on headshots. You know, yep. know what you want too. Like when you get the headshots, just be like, "This is what I need. I need headshots for film, TV." And the guy, if he's a good photographer, will be able to get them to you. You want to get them edited? When you get headshots, don't be stupid like I did. Oh, it's headshots. And then they give them all the photos to you. They're watermarked. You're like, well, you can see my uh, bags under my eyes. They go, fuck yeah, you didn't. Oh, we didn't talk about that. <laughs> you want to get them. You want to get them touched up. You want to pay. Just, just get everything done. Get someone who's gonna um, direct you and 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 tell them your vision and help you out. You just pay the money for the headshots. It's, it's investing in yourself. You know, don't be don't be cheap. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, two ways. Just just don't do anything, but just kill all the time. Or you can actually find one um, through um, Google. Google. Sorry, I was I that's racist. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense, dude. I know. Um, I know we're coming up on time here a little bit, but uh, kind of the last two questions I had here was um, your thoughts on the roles of festival, you know, comedy festivals, and also um, your experience with corporate gigs. And I think that kind of wraps up uh, what okay. I have here. So festivals, um, I've done some. I don't think I do, I do enough. My big uh, thing with the festivals is that a lot of them cost money to get into. Yep. And I think there's really, I've talked to people about this and there's only like a few festivals that are like worth it. Um, now I think every, every festival is worth it because you get stage time and you get to go and meet people and network, you know? And that's kind of how they sell it to you. You know, like, hey, spend 20 bucks and you'll, you know, <laughs> you gotta fly Pyramid, yourself out. You gotta Pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah. But you do get that if you can you you could do you get you can get a lot out of it. You can meet people, you can make connections next time you go in town, you do well. Yeah. Remember it's doing well in front of as many people as possible. Get seen. That's the big thing. Um yeah. but for me, it's like I don't want to spend 20 bucks. I I am not I get paid to do comedy. So for me to like put, you know, submit, then go put myself up. It doesn't make sense to me financially when I could get a weekend that week, like I can get paid work that weekend. But there are some festivals that now it's almost like there's festivals here and then festivals that are just here like JFL, ooh, uh, Asheville, I think is one. Um, there's festivals that have legit opportunities in terms of um, agency, yep. booking, comedy club work. And I, I apply to those festivals, dude. I don't get into any of them, dude. I, I get rejected constantly. There's there's a laughing skull. Is it laughing skull or laughing uh, the laughing skull in Atlanta? Yep. Great Boston Comedy Festival. I've been rejected every single time I've submitted, dude. And I'm like, like it's hilarious because like you got to go put yourself up and all that. Like and like I'm like, you know, look, I get rejected and it obviously hurts. I'm like, I'm a working. Co- I can't believe they won't accept me. Yeah. You know, I, I what what am I gonna do? So. The, the good the big festivals they're almost like you got to do them if you're um a comic it's almost like expected like laughing skull or like jfl if like if you're a real working successful comic you almost just kind of those are things that are going to happen 
Yeah. Uh, says a lot about me because I can't get into any of them. But um, there are some festivals like the, the lesser ones. Um, I don't say lesser, just less prominent ones. I think if you're new in the comedy, it's a good way to get out there. If you want to shell a couple bucks out and get the experience, go on the road and um, put yourself out there. I think it would definitely be beneficial, but it's all about risk reward. Like, do you, you know, are you going to get something out of it? You know, for me, I'm sure I can go and do these things and get something out of it, but um, I just can't, I can't block my, uh, it's just not for me, those, those smaller, but the like laughing school, all that shit, like, Oh, I would do them in a heartbeat. I would, I would gladly cause those are um, established. Um, yeah. In terms of, Oh, here's another thing about festivals. A lot of them are competitions and I'll be honest, man. Like I was so against competitions, but I think a lot of that's out of insecurity. Yeah. I, the, the, and that's why it hurts to submit when you get rejected. Cause it's my art. Um, and my girlfriend says I'm very sensitive, which I do. I say I for sure. <laughs> but remember, it's like I created this. I worked hard on this. Blood, sweat, tears. So if someone says it sucks, or you say it's garbage, you give me a little bit of leeway to feel upset. And then once I get over it, you know, now there's a difference between someone being like "fuck you," I'm not changing. That's a different. But if someone gets up, you know, just give me time to kind of like get over it you know and then if i look for it with fresh eyes i'm like you're right i gotta work on this just get better that's totally fine but um i think competitions um for me it's 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 uh something i've avoided because i think i do have that insecurity i don't like losing and it hurts a lot and that's something i got to get over but um competitions are a great way if you can win them or get far is to meet people show off and um, you get a little juice, you know, I, I know a couple guys who want a bunch of festival and it's like, you get juice for a little bit because your name's on social media and all this shit. And you can use it as a credit. Um, and you're a winner, like a winner of a thing, you know? Yep. So, um, if you're ever feeling like you don't want to do competitions, ask yourself, have you won any? And if it's no, then it's probably not a good reason. This is, this is, I'm t- talking to me right now. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, just uh, check your ego out the door. And it's okay to feel shitty, but um, don't let that slow you down. Um, And I'll say about the corporates. Corporates are completely, like, corporate in real life. I I do a lot of corporate Zoom shows, and that, it just, like, literally fell into my lap. Like, one guy who um, saw me on, like, online, like, he saw my stuff online, He's a fan and he happened to just like know people um, that ran entertainment shows uh, virtually for corporate, for companies. So he recommended me to them. Um, Again, just goes back to being funny and get your stuff seen and things will happen. But um, corporate shows are good money. Live corporate shows are good money, but they're usually really tough. And yep. you gotta be really clean. You got to work around a lot of guidelines, which is tough as a comic because we're supposed to be just free and saying whatever. That's when we're best, when we're just doing whatever we want. Um, but um, in terms of getting corporate gigs, it's just like, I mean, you might have an agent that will get these for you and help you out, but I see. it's all falling to my life. I, I, it's, it's like, I, I, I haven't done a corporate, I've done a lot of corporates where I've opened for people and gotten brought with and then the corporates I'm doing now virtually I've been lucky enough to kind of like be brought along with but I don't know 
Oh, uh, I'm not. I don't think I'm good for corporates, anyways. I I could do like. It depends on the court. If it's for a company, I don't know if I'd be good. If it's for like a family party, I'm okay. Um, yep. But they're just not good gigs. They're not really right for comedy, but they pay a lot of money, which is the tough thing. So you got to do them. And you just also, the big thing about corporates, I find it's the, it's the workout of doing a situation or doing whatever 45 minutes in a situation that's so not for comedy and getting that kind of like muscle that when you do a gig that's great and everyone's listening it's a comedy club low ceilings everyone's into it it's a goddamn breeze you know yeah when someone heckles you you can almost be like dude i did a show on a fucking boat once (laughs) like I did a show. I this is true. I did a show at a boat. I did a show in a nightclub when the nightclub was still ha- was ha- going on. Like there was music and 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 cocktail waitresses. <laughs> so when that when you fuck with me there, it's like a joke. It's like I can. This is nothing. It's like if you if you're working out and you're you're starting to bench like whatever two twenty five, and then you yep. you know you do a set where you're just benching hundred pounds. It's like this is nothing. I can handle this like nothing. You know. Yep. I would say. And I'll say this to end this corporate session. I guess I don't have a lot to say about getting them because I, I don't get that many and I've been just lucky on the ones I have gone. But gotcha. I used to do corporate gigs. Like I would get brought on. I would do these hell gigs like on a boat um, in a nightclub. Jewish gigs, Jewish weddings, <laughs> literally for uh, Hasidic Jews. I would do them. <laughs> Just to get the experience for this, just to get the experience of how hard it would be. So the normal shows would be a piece of cake, you know? And I got to tell you, man, it's like, it helps so much, especially when you start doing the road, when you go to like conservative towns or towns that like, the moment you say you're from New York, they think you're a snowflake or just any really, or older crowds, right? That they see a young guy, they want to size you up. They want to like, when they start fucking with you, dude, you have that experience of just sh- those shit gigs, dude. It makes it so much easier to deal with. And that's going to help you. That's going to help you survive on the road. Sometimes you do a casino gig where it's going to help you and you're going to get booked again. Cause you know, like a lot of people who don't go through these tough situations, um, like they'll go on the road and get heckled and they'll just whole set will fall apart, you know? Yep. Oh, it's, it's um, you gotta do the, what's that old saying you got to experience to experience the highs you got to go through the lows like um i think that's 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 one thing i use the corporate gigs for um this is just have those terrible terrible you know show like i'm doing a show on the on the subway later you know like it's at a certain point you, you shouldn't be doing stuff i probably should be doing this <laughs> um you know, a, a good friend asked me to do it. So then like, what am I, what else am I doing? You know? Yeah, no, definitely. That, that, that makes sense. I think, you know, you got to take, you know, what you can get sometimes. And I guess, you know, as they say, stage time is, is stage time. So comfortability too. I guess, like once you start feeling complacent and you just got to get out that zone, man, like um, yeah. you never want to, I used to have this joke. I think a lot of comics have this joke in their head where it's like, they'll have a bad set. And then, then their mind like, well, well, I got that out of the way because I got a big one tomorrow. Thank God, you know, you don't think you'll bomb twice in a row and then you, you bomb again. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. 
<laughs> no, we've definitely, definitely been there. Yeah, but you can't be, yeah. Um, it's a weird, that's a weird take on corporate gigs, but that was, uh, that was my experience with them. No, that makes sense. I think, you know, it builds that thick skin. And then I think, you know, I think, you know, all of this serves a purpose. So I think, uh, no, that definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, man, I think that that kind of concludes it. Um, you know, thank you so much for your time. You know, hopefully, like, you know, for, for the fans, for the audience out there, hopefully they can kind of see something behind the jokes here. And for the comics, you know, hopefully you get something out of this. You know, the comics are a few years in. So, again, James, thank you so much for the time. This was really helpful. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to close it out with anything, I think that's all on my end. Yeah, no problem. Um, just I hope uh, I, 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 I really appreciate I, I listen, I'm very humbled that you you asked you that you've asked me to, like, um, give you some tips, you know, like. Like I said, like um, I try to give back any any way I can, um, and you seem like a really nice dude. So I don't just, you know, talk to anyone. Like you just seem like a really nice Thanks, guy. Man. Really hard, you. and, and you're res respectful. You won't you won't believe. Like I I told you earlier, you know, people message me like, who books that shit? You know, <laughs> yo, bro, give me the give me the number. Like I'm like, what? Like, dude, I don't even know who you are. You know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, why don't, why, you know, why don't you tell people um, that might be viewing this about you or they can find you and uh, yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm around New York City. Uh, I've got my own show in Brooklyn, Cuba Libre Comedy. Um, we'll be back in the spring when it gets a little bit warmer. And um, and yeah, I'm around. Um, we'll come see, you know, this will probably be out in a little bit, but come see us tonight at Joy Bats. James and I will be on. And, uh, and yeah, that, that's yeah. about it right now. <laughs> a little, uh, they might have to get in their DeLorean if they want to come to that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it was a good show and uh, it'll be nice to see you um, in person. And now my cat is uh, drinking my coffee. So you're probably <laughs> great a skittish cat. Anyways, um, Evan, thank you so much, man. Um, thanks for asking me and um, thanks for everyone for watching. Hope you got something out of it. If you have any questions, always feel free to email me, James Camacho Comedy um, at gmail.com. And um, just would love, love to get back in as much as I can. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, guys.